Hello. Hello. And welcome to uh, insert name of podcast here. Podcast intentionally <laughs> left blank to facilitate page turns. <laughs> uh, we are your hosts. I'm Rob Laidlow. I'm Robin Haig. And uh, yeah, so we've intentionally started this podcast because we have the same name and we're two sort of millennial white guys. So we thought... Why not make a podcast? <laughs> now's, now's the time. If, yeah. if, if we don't do it now... The pressure of will, society upon it, two yeah. white guys to I mean, make a I, podcast. I don't know about you, but yeah. my inbox has been full of... You know, I, need your, I need your poorly researched opinions on these very esoteric and specific new music matters. Yeah. 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 Um, so thanks for, thanks for tuning in. And uh, in today's episode, we're just... I mean, it's a bit of a trial episode, really, but we're just going to be... Uh, talking about uh, a concert we went to yesterday. We're going to be talking about this year's Grohmeyer Prize winner. And Robin's got some fantastic stats on that. And um going to be talking about some some music we've listened to recently, or at least that I've listened to recently. So Robin is, is uh, recently a father, so he... Yeah. Uh, there's there's no time for, for listening to music. No time for that. No, only, uh, only yeah. wonderful baby. Yeah. Yes. So... Um, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about this Grawmeyer news that we, we heard. And yeah. And what this prize is, actually, if anyone doesn't know. So, the uh, the Grawmeyer Award uh, is, I reckon, probably the the biggest international award for contemporary classical music. Um, in that it is available to any composer yeah. in the world. And has a pretty significant cash payout. Uh, $100,000, I think. And um, and it usually makes the news every time. Um, yeah, it's makes the classical music news when, whenever a, a new winner is crowned. Yeah, we don't really have an equivalent here, do we? I suppose um, maybe it's not really equivalent to the RPS awards because, as you say, it it pays out such a large amount of money. Yeah, it's and just, it's, it's, it's a quite real a different idea, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, this is really it's like a sort of a worldwide. What is the um, what we can sort of work out to be the best piece of music that's happened in the last five years, I guess, is, is the aim. And uh, um, and so, and I, I, it's also quite unusual in that it, it really does draw the kind of the biggest and most well-known composers uh, to um, either, well, to, to be put in for it because composers aren't meant to be allowed to enter themselves for this award. Mm. Uh, so anyway, we've had a new winner um and it that is alexandra vrebelov with a piece called missa supertext uh for young woman's chorus with handbells and tibetan bowls string quartet and optional singing saw it's a very it's a very good uh, list of instruments yes definitely it just keeps getting better as definitely, you go along yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's a very interesting piece. Um, I I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, we we can talk a bit more about the kind of musical content, but what I thought mm. was interesting was that it is the first piece in some time that is not for a large instrumental ensemble of some kind. Now, and this is this is really prevalent. There's been 36 winners at the Grawmeyer Awards in total since it's begun, and of them. These are some powerful <laughs> statistics. Yes, <laughs> of them. I can see this document in front there of are, There are only, um, before um, Vrebelov's piece, 
there were only four other pieces uh, that were for less than 20 players. And one of these is for 18 instruments, so I'm not even sure that counts. Um, well, it d definitely counts as less than 20 players. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> uh, maybe not. I, I, I don't know whether it counts as in, in whatever, you know, point I'm trying to make. So the second ever award, 1986, we had Ligeti's uh, Piano Etudes. Right. Um, this is the still remains the only solo piece to ever win, which is quite interesting that it's the second ever award and yet the only one ever that was a solo piece that's won. And I wonder, could this be, you know, something of... Uh, the awards were just getting started. People didn't quite know what it was for. And maybe over the years, people got more settled into, oh, this is sort of a thing for big, mm. big orchestral forces. Um, then many years later, 2011, uh, Boulez's uh, Sur Incises, I don't know how you pronounce that, uh, for nine players. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 2007, Sebastian Courier's Static for Piero Ensemble, and more recently, uh, 2019, um, a pretty large ensemble, uh, Yoel Bonds's Nomaden, which was for 18 uh, instruments. Oh I think yeah, a very, I remember very this one. Yeah, that was a, that a was a real, um, a real. Uh, th this th that was actually the first in a what seems to have been a recent string of. Okay, maybe m maybe not a string. But th there seems to have been maybe a bit more of a trend towards your less typical, you know, big orchestral, well-known, published composers winning mm. the award. For uh, um, a, a, a set of awards that are so heavily stacked towards the orchestral and opera, particularly. Yep. Um, for, you know, for such a handful to have not been for an well, orchestra or an opera. There's sort of two things to pick up there, really. I mean, mm. one is, if you look at those early awards, and, and actually, you know, recent ones too, now these are these are big, even at the time, canonical names. You yeah. know, Ligeti was the kind of person that you know people would have said, "Oh well, he needs to win the award." Yeah. You know, he needs to win this, yeah. and that kind of has been the case with with this award for a while. Um, and so I do think it's interesting that we get some of these winners recently, um, like Vrebolov here. I mean, I can't say I've ever heard of of the composer. No, before. I hadn't either. No, and and that I mean that's that's kind of huge. Um, and I wonder if some of this and what might also explain some of this shift towards uh, slightly different makeups of ensembles or slightly different um, themes around what the music is about. There's the, the Olga Neuwirth um, winner um, was, I think, an opera about uh, gender and, and sort of time, mm. wasn't it? So yeah. that we've got these sort of relevant themes, as it were. Um, it's part of the judging process could be responsible for that. I don't know yeah. if I've told you about what this is before, but I think there's it's a three part three part process mm. in which the University of um is it Louisville? Yep. Um U O L. Uh, U O L, yeah. yeah. They they first of all pass all the music. All the music goes through a little panel from them. And then I can't remember what order this is in, but there's an expert panel of three people, including last year's winner. And then there's also a, a public stage where they just play the music mm. to about 50 or 100 members of the public That's who aren't experts yeah. but who do like classical music or mm. at least proclaim to like classical music and i think that's the second stage and then it goes back to the to the sort of three-person expert panel for the last bit which is i i've literally never heard of, mm. of that in 
ever. And it's, it feels like quite convoluted, yeah. the three parts. Could there, could there be a way to sneak into that public stage and try to massively swing the vote? Yeah. <laughs> Just gi give everything except the piece you want to win zero and then give, give the one you want to win, you know, 100 or, or Okay, whatever. well, that's what we're going to be looking at for yeah. next, <laughs> next year when you hear this podcast yeah. as the 2025 winner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do wonder about about that, and it's just so um, interesting that we kind of have these, I don't know, less well known names coming mm. out. But then again, last year was Julian Anderson, obviously a really well known composer. Yeah. Um, well, so yeah. yeah. I feel it's quite heartening to see someone you know who we, we've never heard of yeah. writing a piece which is not you know some you know huge uh, orchestral commission. Um, and and is not kind of doesn't have the force of some major publisher behind it mm. for for her to 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 win against all of this lot. It's kind of it uh, and 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 for what I think is you know um, the ha having listened to the work, I feel like it it does have a have a a, a real originality. Yeah, let's to talk it. about it a little bit. SoundCloud, it can, yeah. which is already a wild thing to say about the winner of this yes. this competition, <laughs> yeah. um, which I kind of love. It, it very often is the case that the winner is revealed and then it is impossible for you to listen mm -hmm. to it yeah. because orchestral pieces are always locked behind, um, you know, or orchestra contracts that mean no one ever gets to listen to the piece until someone does an official recording. That's right. Which can be 10 years after the premiere. So I, I did hear this piece a few weeks ago, but you've really listened to it more recently. Yes. So why don't you give just a little, what's the piece like? What's his vibe? Yeah, so I would say it's a very interesting balance of very kind of uh, familiar and recognizable materials, uh, primarily um, through um, the choir with quite a kind of, um, I guess, um, extended techniques in the string ensemble that feel quite kind of reminiscent of uh, George Crumb. The real impression I got from the piece ultimately was that it was somehow cinematic. I felt like it really felt um, the, the energy of the piece felt like it flowed in kind of big waves rather than being kind of requiring kind of detailed attention on every moment it mm. felt like it was kind of um a, maybe a more a more deep emotional energy where it's yeah. sort of um gestural in a way where the notes actually really do matter yeah but there's that there's an energy behind it which i th i think was really quite captivating yeah. actually i need to listen to it again because i have to be honest i was listening on in my car which is not the best uh, <laughs> environment i think below about a certain maybe like 300 hertz yeah. or something. I, I can't hear it so yeah. I, I need to listen again to see yeah, if yeah. there's sort of an amazing bass solo that i missed i guess as a judging panel if you're looking at this selection you know all of these huge names and all of their possibly somewhat similar big 30 minute orchestral pieces or huge operas or kind of thing things like that um to be faced with this uh very this this piece which uses a very um a very particular and individual sound world which uses very um simple but kind of immediately graspable 
and kind of emotionally affecting materials i think i can understand how that kind of just cut through mm. everything else um this year yeah so i think we would say go and give this a listen yeah from one Goromaya composer to another um so what year was it 2017's winner was american composer andrew norman and yesterday robin and i went to see a concert with the BBC Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Sakari Oromo, mm. uh, which included a piece by Norman, Unstuck, not the Goromai winning prize, uh, another one, uh, and also included Stravinsky's Violin Concerto uh, and Sibelius's First Symphony. Um, and I w- went out in the interval, because of course the new music was in the first half, mm. as it was the opening piece. I went out into the interval and just really was trying to capture what the public thought of this of this new music. I think there was too much going on. There was a lot going on. <laughs> there was a lot going on there, so yeah, it was a bit confusing. Yeah. Do you think you'd listen to Norman's music again, out of choice? I would try. Interesting. I, I think he try. does have a piece called Try, actually, so you might want to oh, start. Oh, does he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how would, how would you describe the piece of Norman's that we heard, Unstuck? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I would say... Uh, Initially schizophrenic, yeah. he uses a, a kind of a, a vast array of very different musical materials um, cut in very quick succession from one to the other. Um, and then as the piece develops, it kind of uh, it, it, it's almost as if the, the music is, is sort of remembering what it truly is. And it, it gradually kind of constructs itself from out of the, all of these fragments mm. into something quite kind of uh, triumphant. I think that end. idea of construction was not found by most of the audience members mm. that I talked to. It was very exciting to begin with, but then I did lo- lose interest in it. I mean, no one hated it, mm. so that's interesting. And no one had no opinion on it, Yeah, definitely not. Um, which is kind of interesting, because a lot of the time you can ask audience members what they thought, and they'll say, oh, I thought it was nice, or, you know, yeah, mm. it was a bit long. Or, you know, I didn't get any of those kinds of comments. I got yeah. a, lot of, a lot of bewilderment. <laughs> and there was a very interesting uh, French, French guy who said um, this generation of british composers needs to decide whether they're writing nice music or not (laughs) (laughs) which is quite a fascinating thing to say about um gromart winning american composer (laughs) 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 um yeah and and what did you think about that performance then how did the bbc symphony do with with this pretty hard piece Mm. actually and and the whole program actually what were your yeah well i think they definitely um got the spirit of it um and well, which makes it sound like they didn't get the details. <laughs> you know, they, as as far as I could tell, they they did do a, a you know a good job of the piece. Um, it's probably the the Norman piece I know most well. It was the first one of his that I heard. Yeah, you had the score actually. I don't know if you remember yes. this, yeah, but yeah. we I had a score to a piece by Edmund Finnis that you were mm. interested in, and you had a score by Andrew Norman that I was interested in. So, like Pokemon cards, we swapped them. Yes. <laughs> so that's yeah, how yeah, I yeah. came into possession of, of this score for Unstuck. Yeah. Stuck. <laughs> yeah um, and it was very interesting. It, it was quite a different impression hearing it live in this occasion than hearing it in the recording. And I think that's maybe because I was quite used to, you know, hearing every detail um, and, and not hearing the sound kind of whooshing through the room as happens in a live performance. Mm. And I think especially in a piece like Norman's where um, the the musical details are really... Um, it's it's really important that they are heard um in in sequence in a clear way mm. and i think once the 
the the the kind of the magic of a room starts messing around with that you you can find yourself in a difficult situation you know yeah for for a piece which sort of is very slow and sustains and doesn't chop around a lot there's it's it's uh it's quite hard to to do a you know for for, the, for it to come across wrong in a room but i feel like with a piece like that that has so much um uh, the 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 kind of the chopping and changing is so yeah integral. there's so much work done by the orchestra in yeah. in damping their sound and you can see these percussionists moving around and you know really and the strings damping the strings mm. immediately after these uh, short attacks or mm. you know the end of their phrase um, but as you say sometimes it doesn't matter because once that sound is released into the into mm. the room you know it's kind of bouncing around and, you, and it does get a bit blurred you wonder if it's the kind of piece that you actually need to listen to close mic the yes, whole orchestra I was, I was thinking exactly that yeah it, it ha has this sort of close mic quality yeah. in, in in the music that you sort of feel like the orchestra is almost struggling against a little bit the fact I mean, that's that they, something we yeah. see quite a lot in american music yeah. do you think or maybe yeah, not or maybe not american music maybe just like millennial music mm. i don't i don't know um but we a lot of particularly string quartets that you find on you know score follower or whatever mm. which has a really heavy american slant doesn't it they are they've got that very close mic quality yeah. and the studio is the studio is really used in in some pieces as as an instrument yeah and it almost feels like it's the missing instrument you yeah. know yesterday in, in that yeah. kind of recording other two pieces the Stravinsky and particularly the Sibelius actually because mm. the symphony orchestra have just got back from a tour to um, Switzerland in which they've been playing I think it was Switzerland um, in which they've been playing all of Sibelius's symphonies mm. so every every one of them and yesterday we just heard the first one which it was I mean yeah Sakura Oma really knows this music um, off by heart well i mean literally off by heart he didn't, he didn't use the score but i didn't notice that yeah no, yeah no yeah. he didn't um but i think that i mean some of that was i don't know how well you know sibelius's first symphony not well at all yeah i mm. i listened to it a little bit before and it was just completely off the rails some of mm. it, especially the tempo is like um coming straight from i don't know this place of you know extreme wildness and and it really felt like a really young man piece of music. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where you have that sort of uh, particularly early 20th century sort of um, male nationalist yeah. energy. I think it really actually uh, captured that in a, a really exciting way. I love the performance. I don't, I don't know about yeah. you. Yeah, no, me too. I think um, Sibelius is really a composer who has sort of grown with age uh, for me. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like when, when as, a, as a younger person, you're first getting into 20th century music and you get to Sibelius and it's like, this is this is just the same as the last century. Well, what 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 what's the point in this? And you know, you skip over him to Schoenberg and Stravinsky, um, as I did. But I think um, you once you start listening to stuff in terms of like an entire thirty-minute piece, rather than listening in terms of what chords am I hearing in the first ten seconds of this piece, yeah. you start to appreciate Sibelius. I think, or I have maybe. It, it's the kind of thing where there, there's something so kind of uh, powerful about you know having a a 40 minute symphony that's mostly kind of in a romantic musical language but then like four times there'll be like the most in deranged chord you've <laughs> yeah. heard in your life <laughs> that only is so effective because you know he's 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 um padded them out with all of this sort of uh 
you know lush um, yeah and i think yeah. deranged is a good word yeah. but like deranged in a good way that yeah. was a concert we saw yesterday yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. more power more power to it i yeah. think definitely yeah um uh, yeah i love deranged <laughs> <laughs> also the symphony orchestra just sounded great they did they just sounded yeah, yeah. really really good yeah. um well i have been listening to some music by sarah leanne lewis which is a bit um random because i was actually just going on other composers websites because mm. i was updating my website so i went on like 30 other composers websites just to see what they're and you just copied what whatever they'd done and yeah that's right that yeah. You so my bio well. says um <laughs> says i'm a welsh uh, composer in yeah. residence with the bbc now yeah no um yeah. i saw this little sample of a, of a piece called tourmaline on it mm. um and i went and tracked down why well, emailed sarah and she sent me the whole thing. It was a really interesting piece of music, actually. It took me down a, a bit of a rabbit hole with her music. Um, but I thought you'd quite like this one because mm. it's got lots of dance and EDM and pop rhythms. Okay, in it, I'll know, check I'm that sure out. I know you've done a lot. Yeah, I do. I, 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 I go a bit of a way back with uh, Sarah Leanne Lewis. Oh, right. Okay. We, um, uh, Cheltenham Composer Academy. Oh, okay. Uh, back when... Um, uh, back when we were both well, back com when complete nobodies. I, now, now I am just the nobody. It seems a it yeah. seems a big shame that the composers' academy is has gone. Oh yes, yeah, um, and it, it had already kind of folded into a smaller version of itself. But I think that seemed to be doing pretty good work. But now, mm. um, I don't sadly gone. Yeah, yeah, I don't really understand. I mean, the marketing around it is well, it's gone for a pause and it'll be back. But mm. I've I, I find that slightly hard to believe. Yeah. Um, which which does seem a real shame actually, because not only, you know, was it like a, a mainstay of of young composers, mm. but also I think often those pieces were programmed again. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, either, they've been doing that at Spitalfields. I yeah, think. yeah. So either by the festival or by the the performers that they were written for, they'll take them somewhere else, and it's just this perennial problem of second performances. It just seemed like a really good scheme, as did actually that the Safa scheme as well. Yeah. Um, which is also some news from the last 30 years. A lot of this news is very depressing. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I kind of really enjoyed this piece, Tourmaline. There was just one bit which I thought was quite amazing, mm. which is it sort of... Um, well, what's the piece for? It's for... Oh, sorry. It's for orchestra. <laughs> okay. Um, Please go on. Yeah. And it's got all these sort of dance rhythms, which yeah. is quite fun. Um, and Dan the dance rhythms of what century? This century, okay, this of the century. now, okay, yeah. yeah, real dance rhythms, yeah, okay, yeah, rhythms yeah, yeah. of music that people yeah, actually yeah, yeah, dance yeah. to, it, yeah. not sort of imagine dancing yeah, yeah, yeah. to, yeah. Um, and I don't know if this harmony is taken from, I guess it's taken from some EDM or something, but I, she uses this. Um, I was listening to this morning, and I think it's got like a Neapolitan cadence in mm. it, which is you know like you have a flat two and then a five and then a one, and so maybe it comes from from dance music, but it just sounded really amazing. This sort of hyper classical gesture just yeah. coming out in the middle and, and then bleeding away. It was really fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. So um, that that's what I've heard recently. Yeah, thanks to Sarah for sending that over. Mm. I think that's pretty much everything that we wrote down that we might talk about yes. in this first yeah. podcast. And a couple of things that we didn't write down. Yeah. So yeah, please tune in again. Yeah, yeah, tune in again. Thanks for listening. Yeah.